Thanks for listening to the KC Morning Show. Well, good morning, sunshine. What would you like for breakfast? How about some eggs and sausage? I'd really rather have bologna. Bologna? Bologna? Yeah, bologna. Why would you want that? It is National Bologna Day today. I don't like bologna. I love it. If he wants bologna, then... Okay, okay. Who doesn't love bologna? Today is National Bologna Day. Good luck figuring out what's in that and good luck spelling it. It's showtime. And this right, she it's your KC Show, baby. A happy Monday to the KC Morning Hoes. What's the word, Kansas City? Hope you had a great weekend. Your boy was busy, but it's birthday week now, so feeling pretty, pretty good, Kansas City. On the show today, we kick it off with Mike Myers. No, not that one, the other one. This guy is with Meyer Music, also with Band of Angels. They are an incredible organization, giving the gift of music and equipment and instruments to our Kansas City folks. And I was at their Beats by the Ballpark benefit this last Thursday, presented by UMB Bank. We gave away a drum set that was amazing. It was at the Blue Room. Which, my friends, I got a chance to host at the Blue Room in the historic 18th and Vine. I mean, that's bucket list stuff. Thank you to Kiana Sinks and everyone on that Emerging Leaders Board at Band of Angels for having me out. And also, thank you, Mike Myers, for everything you do. But we're going to hear from Mike in just a matter of moments. After that, we kick it with my guy. My guy, Alejo Gonzalez. He's a labor organizer. We go way back. He used to lay his head down here in the Kansas City metropolitan area. Now he resides in the Centennial State in Colorado. He was featured on the Invisibilia podcast produced by NPR. My guy is big time. It was a hot labor summer. I'm excited to see where we're headed in the winter. Workers, it's time to reclaim our time and our power. And my guy, Alejo, he tells us how. Rate, review, subscribe, do that thing you do, Kansas City. I love you so much. It is a good day to be a Kansas Cityan. Oh, absolutely. Always, even on a Monday. Back in your feeds tomorrow. We'll see you in the morning. Bye. Greetings, Hartzell. Search the force and a tremor I have felt. It was you. Your ego just busted a planet. The KC Morning Show. Meyer Music was founded in 1966. My mom and dad, Ted and Betty, were both uh, public school teachers. My dad taught at Paseo High School. My mom taught six all inner city elementary schools right around here. They wanted to do something to earn extra money during the summer when they weren't teaching school. And so they were either going to open a Dairy Queen or a music store. And they picked the music store because my mom has a master's degree in piano and clarinet. And so here we are, 56 years later, entering our third generation in the company. And we work with about 60 school districts across a 100-mile area in and around Kansas City. How Band of Angels came along is we rent instruments to those. And we service a clientele that's economically from the very top school districts to the very bottom economically of the school district chain. And so we found that it really didn't matter what level of school you were at. There were always kids in those schools that were needing help. 
or had an extenuating circumstance or something, a financial, emotional need, whatever, being raised by a grandparent. Maybe they have a family member who's terminally ill or something like that. And it's really putting their finances upside down. And so we used to have to tell those people, no, I'm sorry, we can't help you. And then thank goodness Fox 4 called 13 years ago now. And they said, we want to do something to start a community program that has to do with the arts, but we don't really know what to do. Would you talk through some ideas? And so I just said, well, you know, my mom and dad and I have been selling instruments for 45 years at this time and I know there are a bunch of them sitting in a closet not being used and every year I see that student that needs it and we've not been able to help them with it so if I can just get people to bring them in then we can go back and make that connection to those students when we are setting across from them and so we thought if we did 50 instruments a year be huge we've now in the last 12 years given away over 3,000 instruments to kids in schools in a hundred mile area about 15 different states and now we do summer music camp scholarships and college scholarships and the whole thing. So it's really, really growing. It's awesome. I'm curious, what makes music different? Because I'm hearing your story. I think your family would have been here and you would have done something. I feel that. But why music? Why do you think you've reached the folks you have because of music? You know, I'm going to be honest. I, I was shocked with this whole thing. I had no idea that people would resonate with it the way that they have. But I think that music is that one thing in a home that brings everybody together in times of trouble and brings everybody you know, together in times of support. It's a place in the school where everybody can belong. You don't have to be the greatest or best athlete or, or the best you know, mathematician or debate champion. You can belong in a music program and you can do it and just enjoy it. So I think that for me, it's something that I love. I grew up playing the piano since I was five and and um, it was just heartbreaking when you would see kids that you knew wanted that and because of whatever barrier they faced. And, and the barriers are not what everybody thinks most of the times. It, it was a place for us to be able to make them have a safe place to belong in the school, a safe place to belong in the community, something that they could do that makes them special and just create a lifelong love. Where can folks go for more information? They want to donate? The floor is yours, my friend. I guess the stage is yours. Where can folks go? Bandofangels.org has all the information you would need if you want to make a donation. Uh, you can drop off instruments at any Meyer Music location in Kansas City. There are three of them, North Kansas City, Blue Springs, Overland Park. And um, we'll do something with it, make it make it uh, find a new life, whether it's through art or whether it's a child playing it, sending them to summer music camp, whatever it is, we'll, we'll do something with it. It's a little bit funny This feeling inside I'm not one of those who can Easily hide I don't have much money But boy if I did I'd buy a big house where We both could live If I was a sculptor But then again, no Or a man Who makes potions in a Traveling show I know it's not much It's the best I can do My gift is my song, yeah And this one's for you You can tell everybody 
This is your song It may be quite simple But now that it's done I hope you don't mind I hope you don't mind That I put down in words How wonderful life is While you're in the world Out on the roof and kicked off a moss. Well, a view of the verses got me quite cross. But the sun's been quite kind. Well, I wrote this song, it's for people like you that keep it turned on. So excuse me for getting But these things I do You say I've forgotten If the green or the blue Anyway the thing is What I really mean Yours are the sweetest eyes yeah, I've ever seen Tell everybody This is your song It may be quite simple But now that it's done I hope you don't mind I hope you don't mind That I put down in words How wonderful life is While you're in the world Hope you don't mind, I hope you don't mind that I put down in words How wonderful life is while you're in the world First time on your KC Morning Show, which I cannot believe it has taken me this long to get my brother on the show, Alejo Gonzalez. He is with Local 105, SEIU Local 105 in Denver, Colorado. We are celebrating the wins. It's been a hot labor summer, but the struggle continues. I met this man back in 2018. I love you, brother. We were doing work for the Brent Welder <laughs> campaign. Man, time f***ing flies, brother. Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. I was just looking at that picture of you and me matching with those black jeans and white shirts back when I had a full set of hair. It was tough, baby. I'm bald as hell now, dude. So (laughs) You also made waves, by the way, made a cameo on the Invisibilia podcast produced by NPR. They got the blue check mark on Twitter, man. So you must be a somebody. When do I get my blue check mark? Now I have to call Elon Musk and get that set up. <laughs> we got a whole long list of things we want to talk about with Elon Musk. <laughs> Busy out here, you know. I think just with all the movement going on with labor, with Starbucks and Amazon and all that, people are really 
shifting towards wanting to organize. It's been busy for labor organizers out here, man, but it's been awesome work. Just really, really fulfilling work to see these people, you know, start from, hey, I want to do this to grow into like badass leaders, meeting the workers where they're at, 8 p.m., 10 p.m., 6 a.m., whatever it is. So many times we kept hearing like over the last two and a half, three years talking about the great resignation and all this stuff, all these different words to say workers reclaiming their power. And so mm-hmm. one of the things you were talking about on that podcast, Invisibilia, you know, you're actually really getting into the nitty gritty of what that means to reclaim your power. Because, you know, I've been saying that on this show. These folks are probably sick of hearing me saying it. I ain't going to stop saying it. You know, what does that look like? Alejo, tell us. Look, man, here's one thing that needs to be super clear, right? When we're talking about these giant corporations like Starbucks, we're talking like Amazon, these multi-million, billion-dollar corporations, the things that every worker has to understand is your labor produces all of the wealth. If it wasn't for the workers doing the groundwork, these corporations wouldn't be The reality is like the power really comes in the numbers, man. That process of like seeing people realize that the transformations people go through, it's it's a beautiful thing. You know, that's probably the most fulfilling piece of this work is organizing with people and and seeing how they themselves transform in their own lives, how they get involved later. Like, where are all the leaders at? People, a lot of times just don't even know what that looks like. And when you do an organizing campaign, leaders come out and they come out strong and they come out ready. And when they see that they got the power and these illusions that the boss has, that they have all of it get unmasked. It's a it's a beautiful thing. man. It's just it's just one of the coolest things to see that. Can you break down that story you said about the ketchup bottle? Just again, the power of a collective people, man. We can do some incredible things. Uh, You're going to laugh at me for this, but sometimes, you know, the real journey really were the comrades that you make along the way, man. I mean, seriously, the solidarity you build. It's true, man. I mean, you know, one of the things we talked about in the podcast a lot was how to unmask that power, right? And one of the things we really dove into is some of these kind of like actions that are sort of like in your face, right? And they're not like a strike, you know, where people are walking off the job, which is like the very last thing you have to do if management isn't moving. But there's some other things you can do along the way. Like part of bargaining and part of really getting the messaging out there is a message game the whole time, right? Who's talking about what? Who's talking about this? Who's talking about that? In this unit that's being organized right now, you know, inflation, cost of living, the things that we keep hearing about are just insane. You know, gasoline prices, like all this stuff comes up because workers are feeling it, right? They're feeling the brunt of it. They're feeling the brunt of these greedy CEOs at all these places, these greedy landlords holding us hostage by charging us insane things for basic needs. So one way to get that message across was putting up, you know, them little red, little hot dog stand ketchup bottles, little squeezy ones. We wrote on them what needs to change and what things are so expensive and we put them around where they work at. And then, you know, the, the question came up when management saw them like, well, what, what is this about? What's going on? Right. And we just told them, look, man, we got to catch up. <laughs> I love a good pun, baby. But I'm hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, some folks are like, you know, that's ridiculous. But you know what? You can't out petty Alejo and myself. But also, like, (laughs) these tactics aren't just for the pettiness of it all. You're doing this on top of the other things you're doing. Right. 
it's always tied to a big plan to win. You always want to do an escalation, right? You want to start small. You want to do a couple little things here and there. Maybe, you know, you start with a petition, right? Then you get that going around and then you start talking with your coworkers and then talk about how wages need to catch up. So you do a little catch-up action. And then you have a meeting where maybe the whole workplace is getting everyone together and everyone wears the same color there and they do a chant, right? And then you start building up from there and you realize that the CEO of this place really doesn't like the media and doesn't want their name to be out there. So then you threaten them. You're going to go with the media with how poorly they've been treating you. Now they're thinking twice, right? Now you got them on their heels, right? You got them with a little jab, jab, cross. That's the whole thing with this escalation and the plan, right, is you want to make sure you're building up pressure on these decision makers who decide how much money you make and all this stuff. And they're making bucks off the back of your work. And as long as you emphasize that with people, they understand what's going on. They understand things got to change and they'll put that ketchup bottle up. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking to... I'm thinking of all the protests and stuff we saw in 2020. I remember thinking to myself, all right, so what's the payoff going to be? You know, what is that Mm. thing? And what we have seen since in this labor reclaiming of our power, that is some of the payoff. Labor organizing, collective bargaining, winning over those petitions. Wins generate more wins. We say that on this show all the time. This is those next steps as we continue to take more steps, right? Absolutely, man. And you know, there's that article I think Vice did or something like that. All these legislative things that were going to happen with keeping the police accountable and all that. They kind of painted it like there wasn't any wins, right? But here's what I saw. When I was out there supporting the movement, getting out there and making sure my voice was heard, one thing I saw constantly, some of my friends who never engaged with me in politics, right? I would talk about it and like, man, whatever. They were out there. They were asking questions. One time I had a whole group of my friends who were not political at all. I brought them out to protest. And the first thing I did was I sat them all down. I said, why are you here? And we all had wonderful discussions that would have never happened if this movement didn't spark. And now a lot of those cats are back at their workplaces wondering why the power structures exist where they're at. And now they're going back to their communities looking at the power structures that exist there and injustices. And based off that conversation, texting me, damn, man, when we talked about like who the real decision makers are, I went back and thought about it where I work. And I think that is a massive ripple effect we cannot neglect. You had middle class people who are much more well off, even upper middle class, you know, a lot of white people, a lot of brown, black, younger, older coming out to the streets, taking action. And now they see it does move people. It's powerful. And I think that ripple effect is going to last for a long time, man. And I I really, you know, I really hope that that ripples into different parts of society where we start thinking, why is power set up the way it is? And how can we find ways to change it to where normal working people like you and me can get a fair shake? We think of some of the policies they did in COVID, these big social democratic socialist, you know, policies. They had to. They were backed into a corner because like the world was ending. They botched the landing because, you know, it was done by the Trump administration. So, of course, rich folks were always going to get most of this stuff. But it's like Yoda said, you can't unlearn what you have learned. Stuff like that tax credit, that child tax credit, the unemployment insurance that we got. You're seeing massive transfers of wealth during COVID to the 1%. Like we saw one of the most unprecedented transfers of wealth 
during COVID. And you're totally right, man. It was, it was insane. I'm sure you've been on Reddit and Twitter and stuff during COVID and people weren't working. And, you know, all of a sudden you see Wendy's starting at 1950 an hour, right? <laughs> or like McDonald's starting 22 an hour. You know, the 515, right? Stand up KC, shout out. There was fights for years to get to 15. And then right when they don't have workers to make them those millions of dollars in profits, now they can pay it. All of a sudden, now they can pay it and even more. I think it just comes to show a lot of the conversations that are being had, the money was always there. They just didn't want to pay it. Because if that money isn't going to the labor, to the workers who are making all the wealth, where's it going? I love hearing the radical moments when everything just kind of starts to make a little bit more sense. I met you Mm -hmm. in 2018, so I got to think it was at least before that. Folks who helped shape my political thought, I think of you, man. And so who do you think of? Thanks, man. I appreciate that, dog. For me, it's a mix, man. You know, like my parents were both advocates from Spain and Chile. My dad was a union organizer down in Chile. And so they raised me up right, always fighting for the underdog, man, you know. And I always just hated bullies, man. I I just don't know how else to put it growing up as a kid. And I always wanted to stick up against them. I think the moments that really made me who I am and like decided to pursue organizing 100% full stop. It was really working at an after school program, working with like developmentally disabled and at risk youth in Colombia, seeing how these kids, right, how they were impacted by this unjust system. Like they don't get to go home and see their parent because they're working two, three jobs just to get by. They don't get to go home to their older brother because of the criminal justice system and how it's built because they were a young black man. Seeing how it impacted these kids, just born into the situation, right? No skin in the game, innocent. That really pissed me off. Like that just to my core shook me, man. And I think that was really when I realized like something's got to change. That really moved me from there, you know, into the political world where I met you. And, you know, someone as awesome as Brent Welder, who was, you know, a massive labor advocate, still not being able to win. It was just like such a realization for me, like, yo, if we don't have unions straight up stronger and working people engaged in this process, we're not going to get people elected who are really going to represent us. And so that's what really brought me back to labor, man. You know, and it really, I think, is the backbone of a functioning democracy. Like we talk to members all the time about voting. And keeping them, you know, involved, not just at the workplace, but at another level. Unions are just that important, man. And it all started with just some kids, you know, and seeing how they were affected. So where do we go from here, man? I mean, I take my cues from you, my brother. And I'm just, I'm thinking (laughs) not just election day stuff, but like the movement at large. It was a hot labor summer. What's fall going to look like? Is it going to be a winning winter, Alejo? I'm somebody that likes to go back to history, right? So like these radical times Mm -hmm. in the 30s and the 60s. But really this moment feels a lot more like the 30s and the 1850s and so much to the 1960s. Oh Um, yeah, shout out to the General Steel Strikes. Absolutely, absolutely. There was a time in labor, my brother, when, you know, you and I may not have been welcomed in some of the same labor circles. All right. But we're getting better. Mm -hmm. Women as well also Mm -hmm. wouldn't have been allowed in some of our labor circles. So how can we make sure Mm -hmm. that we can celebrate these wins together, grab more folks in the struggle so we can keep winning again? I think it's two part, right? A little theory and a little practice. So Preach to me, baby. I think Preach. it's theory, man. You know, if I if I die tomorrow and y'all listen to this radio show and there's one thing y'all want to pick up from this is always look at things in the lens of power. That is the key word. Where does power lie? Who has it? 
Why do they have it? How can we as working people build it? How can we move these people with power to support us? Not just the vote, right? But what else can you do? So I would shout out EWOC, Emergency Workplace Organizing Committee. I think that that is just like an incredible organization that's been organizing across the country. You can get more information at workerorganizing.org. On there, man, there's a group of volunteers, myself included, who are constantly training workers to face these power dynamics, right? And even if you're not organizing your own workplace, you can still volunteer and help other people get there and learn the tools to do it. You can donate to make sure that these projects continue. It might sound silly, right? Just showing up to a training and getting on a phone with somebody who works at a, a Goodwill, right? And they're like, oh, I want to change things. But like learning how those conversations go, learning how to ask the right questions where you're not lecturing people, but you're getting them to that point where they're realizing it. I think those two things together, man, really is how we need to go. Amazon's going on strike in a couple different cities right now. Shout out to ALU. Starbucks is getting some contract negotiations started, even in the face of massive retaliation. Shout out to Starbucks Workers United. And I think it's just the beginning, man. People are sick and tired of the imbalance with corporate power versus worker power. It, it's getting too bad. We look back at history when people stepped up. The material conditions were that bad. Inflation was that bad. Cost of living was that bad. And we're getting there. And people are starting to see we got to face this corporate power head on. And the only way to do that, organizing. My man, solidarity forever. I love you, brother. Alejo Gonzalez, he is with SEIU Local 105 in Denver. I got to get you back on this show, yeah, but also I got to get you face-to-face soon, man. I miss you, brother. Miss you too, man. We got to link up sometime soon, man. It's been way, way, way too long. You have to come out to the Rockies too, man. Let's put a trip together. Let's light a bowl together. Let's go change the world, yeah? Oh, yeah, man. Let's get up to the mountains. The stars up in the mountains, man. Something else, bro. Get out there and start talking about some organizing, what we can do to change the world. Yeah, you know this. You think you can tell us what to do? Huh? You think that you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready and bow to the masters. Bring it down. Think that you can tell me what to do? Do you know who you're talking to? You better get used to the ways of all bounces. I see what you got. It measures and ounces, but that's a brick's board. Yeah, that's the brick's little man. Come on. Oh, degeneration. I'll treat you like a little man Yeah, you feel that 